Well, good morning. I am so excited to be here with all of you today. Are we having a good morning? Yes. Who was here for Trunk or Treat yesterday? I want to see a show of hands. I see a lot of familiar faces. Like Caleb said, that was such an awesome outreach opportunity. And I just want to take a moment to say thank you so much to every single one of you that served. We had so many people who set up trunks, helped pass out candy, people who were running concessions, and people who were just running around, like helping fill holes as needed. We could not put on an event like that without all of your help. So thank you so much for partnering with us to reach our community in such a fun way. Well, I'm excited for this morning. If you've been around BCA, even just for the past couple weeks, you know that we've been in a series called The Road Back from Regret. And Pastor Rob has been walking us through just some key principles of how do we overcome the painful experiences in our past and moments of regret in our past and come to a place of healing and redemption. And Pastor Rob has been doing an incredible job walking through the book of Nehemiah. And we're going to be continuing that series next week. But today we're going to do something a little bit different. I'm excited. Uh, if you were around BCA, you, you were here in August and September, you'll remember we were in a series called Say Yes. And the heart of this series was that all of us would say yes to the call of God on our lives. We talked about the fact that we kind of lived in the land of maybe for a couple years with, with the pandemic and so many things going on here and around the world. And it felt like we couldn't really commit to anything because you didn't know if it was actually going to happen. And so things were just kind of up in the air. And I think a lot of us got really used to living in that kind of non-committal way. But we just sensed as a church that God was calling us to be people that step out and say yes and commit to the things that he has for us. So we heard from Pastor Rob and a few other members of our pastoral staff team throughout this series. And we talked about saying yes to God's grace in your life. We talked about saying yes to being in a small group, to attending classes, to giving. All of these things that we see in the Bible are God's idea, God's best for our lives. And there was one G that we did not get to. How many of you guys know Pastor Rob is the king of alliterations? Yes. Yes. I don't know how he does it. My brain doesn't work like that, but I love it because it makes it easy to remember. There was one G that we did not get to, and it's the one that I'm really passionate about. And so I'm going to bring us back to our Say Yes series for one Sunday and one Sunday only, a special message. We're going to be talking about saying yes to gathering. Gathering. We're going to be talking about what it means to be the church, to gather as the body of Christ. And the message for this weekend is titled, There's No Place Like Together. Now, many of you know my story, but I also know there's a lot of you that probably don't. I did not grow up going to church regularly, and I gave my life to Jesus here at BCA in our youth group, in a, in a youth group service. Um, and I've been at BCA now for 10 years. So that was 10 years ago. I was a senior in high school. And this past week, I was going through Facebook, and I was kind of deleting old messages. I have to ask this really quick. How many of you are people, you keep, like, your inboxes cleared out, you delete them and keep it at zero? That's my husband. How, where's my people at where you have, like, 5,000 messages? Yeah. So that's me. So I just thought, you know, I'm going to turn a new leaf. So I'm going through my messages. I'm trying to delete things. And I start going through my Facebook messages, and I came across this old message. I'm going to put it up on the screen for you guys. This was when True Life used to go by True Life Church, and Ryan and Christina Gilbreth were our youth pastors. So I had visited the youth group service for the first time, and Christina texted me, so happy, or messaged me on Facebook, so happy we met you. Can't wait to see you this Sunday or Wednesday from Christina. 
And I just remember when I came to BCA for the first time on a Sunday and then visited at youth group on a Wednesday, I was so blown away that these people who didn't know me and they didn't know my story, they had no reason to care about me, but I could tell they genuinely did and reached out to me and took me under their wings and eventually I gave my life to Jesus in a youth group service. I've been at BCA for 10 years now and I came on staff just two years later. So I'm coming up on my eight year anniversary of being on staff here at BCA. And the reason, yes, thank you. (laughs) The reason I share that is because for me, church has been such a huge part of my life ever since I gave my life to Jesus 10 years ago. Church has been a huge part of my life And I believe in church and I love church, not just BCA church, but the capital C church around the world, God's people around the world. And the reason that I'm so passionate about this is because I genuinely believe that when the church is operating the way that God intended it to, there is nothing in the world that is more beautiful. When the church is being the church the way that God has called us to be, there is nothing more beautiful or powerful in the whole world. So I believe in this so deeply. So today we're going to be talking about gathering. Why do we say yes to gathering? Now, this is probably not a surprise to many of you, but we are living in a country that is considered to be one of the most individualistic cultures in the entire world. America is considered to be one of the most individualistic cultures in the entire world. Now, there's a nonprofit hospital and physician network that's based in Boston, Mass General Brigham, and I was reading this past week on their website. They put out an article specifically about the culture of America, and they were talking about the American value system. And I want to read this because I thought this was so interesting. They said, Americans usually view every person as a self-sufficient individual, and this idea is important to understanding the American value system. Everyone is their own person, not a representative of a family, community, or any other group. You may view this as rather selfish and egotistical or as a welcomed freedom from the restraints of family, community, social class, etc. Yet this self-centered attitude prevails in American culture, placing the most importance on the individual, not the group. You know, I was reading that and I was just thinking about the hard truth that the church especially the church in America, is not exempt from this type of individualistic culture. I think we see it show up all the time in churches. You know, what I'm about to say to a lot of people around the world, they wouldn't even believe their ears if they heard this, but for us, we hear stuff like this all the time. Things like, well, the church just isn't doing anything for me. The church just isn't really meeting my needs. The church just isn't really serving me. I need the way to church to serve me. To us, we don't think anything of that because that's kind of the culture we see in church here, but it's really not meant to be like that, and it's really not like that in a lot of places around the world. There's a research group called the Barna Research Group, and they put out some really interesting statistics specifically looking at churches, and they've been doing a study for the past several years talking about church attendance. This is one of the things that I think is so interesting is is for many, many years now, church attendance has been on a steady decline. And right now they say that the the average person attends church one to maybe two times a month. But for most people, it's about once a month. And they put out a new study this year, kind of the most updated statistics. And it was interesting. They found that during COVID, people's church attendance actually was on the rise. 
Now, a lot of that was online church, and, and what an incredible gift that we have online church. We have people who are joining us right now online, a part of our church family. It's incredible. And so I think a lot of that was, was from online church. But I want to read what they put out in their most recent uh, study. Daniel Copeland, the associate vice president of research at Barna Group, said this, that in 2020 and 2021, our data represents churchgoers either, either settling into or opting out of online attendance. Despite all of the disruptions of 2020, the opportunity of online worship actually helped to boost attendance across all generations. However, in 2021, the novelty seemed to have worn off and people's church attendance declined significantly. Now, if this is something that interests you, you can go online and look up the Barna Research Group and you can read through these studies. One of the things that was very interesting to me was, was seeing that it's actually not the younger generations that are mass leaving the church and, and stopping attending church. It's actually a lot of the older generations. Some of the younger generations are actually um, the most representation in churches and congregations now. A lot of young people are coming back to church, which, praise God, it's incredible. We have a whole section of youth students and leaders sitting right over here. It's amazing. But in a lot of churches, they're seeing, you know, Christians and maybe even people who have been Christians or gone to church for a long time are just slowing down with their church attendance, small group attendance, any sort of gathering attendance. Now, when they did this study, they asked people, why do you not attend church regularly? Or for some of these people, they were Christian and they didn't attend church at all. So they asked them, what are the reasons that, that hold you back from attending church regularly, from gathering regularly? And these are some of the things that people said. They said, I don't need to go to church to be a Christian. I can worship on my own. Many said, I can find better preaching and teaching in a podcast. Others said, I'm too busy. I have family obligations. Some said, church doesn't make a difference in my life. And others said, I've been hurt by church members in the past. Now, what I'm about to say might surprise some of you. But honestly, as I was reading this list, I wasn't offended. I wasn't mad. I can see where they're coming from. People who said, I don't need to go to church to be a Christian. I can worship on my own. That's absolutely true. You can be a Christian and not go to church. You can give your life to Jesus and not go to church. Others said, I can find better preaching and teaching in a podcast. That is absolutely true. And I'm up here preaching and teaching. But I can tell you, you can find better preachers and teachers out there on a podcast, on YouTube. There's so many resources that are out there now where you can listen to sermons and, and teachings on scripture. People who said, I'm too busy, I have family obligations. Raise your hand in here if you feel too busy a lot of times. Uh, absolutely, I think, I think most people feel too busy in their lives most days. And when you look at your calendar and you have a packed full week and Sunday might be your only day that there's nothing going on, I can understand why people would say, you know what, we're just going to have a slow morning and we're just going to hang out at home. We're not going to go to church. We're not going to gather. Others who said church doesn't make a difference in my life. If you've been a part of church for, for a number of years, even just for me, I've only been in church for 10 years, and I can tell you there's been seasons where I feel like, man, I don't feel like this is making a difference in my life. I think a lot of people have felt that. And I've been hurt by church members in the past. You know, I have people in my life who are very dear to me who have very serious church hurt in their past. And I can understand why it would be hard to open yourself up and trust a church again. You know, I think there are 
legitimate reasons that people have why they feel hesitant to, to gather, to be a part of a church, to prioritize attending church regularly or small groups or classes, whatever gathering looks like. I see those reasons. And so I think the question that we have to ask is why do we believe in gathering? Why do we believe that gathering is important? Why do we believe that it's something that we should say yes to? Because I'll tell you, a lot of people attend church because it's what they've always done. A lot of people attend church because they feel like it's what they should do to be a good Christian. A lot of people attend church, oh, because my parents go, so I guess I'll go too. But we need to know and we need to have a personal conviction in our own lives about why we believe that gathering is important. Or we're going to be a part of that statistic of Christians no longer attending church or gathering in any sort of way. So why do we believe that gathering is important? There's a few passages all throughout scripture that talk about this and paint a really beautiful picture. But I want to hone in on three that I think really hit it on the head why we believe, and I'll just even speak for BCA, why we as BCA believe that gathering is important. In 1 Corinthians 12, I'm going to read verses 12 through 27. It says, the human body has many parts, but the many parts make up one whole body. So it is with the body of Christ. Some of us are Jews, some are Gentiles, some are slaves, and some are free, but we have all been baptized into one body by one spirit, and we all share the same spirit. Yes, the body has many different parts, not just one part. If the foot says, I am not a part of the body because I am not a hand, that does not make it any less a part of the body. And if the ear says, I'm not a part of the body because I'm not an eye, would that make it any less a part of the body? If the whole body were an eye, how would you hear? Or if your whole body were an ear, how would you smell anything? But our bodies have many parts, and God has put each part just where he wants it. And I'm going to jump down to verse 25. It says, this makes for harmony among the members so that all the members care for each other. If one part suffers, all the parts suffer with it. And if one part is honored, all the parts are glad. All of you together are Christ's body, and each of you is a part of it. You know, when I read this passage, even now, sometimes I read this passage and you kind of start getting this feeling of like, okay, you know, Paul, we get it. We get it. It's one body with multiple parts. And he just keeps saying it over and over and over. But I don't know about you. Anytime I'm reading the Bible and there's something that just keeps being said over and over and over, I think it's cause for us to pause and say, I really need to take that in. I need to really pause and think about what this passage is saying. That yes, we're all created differently and we all serve a different purpose in our lives and in the kingdom and we're all individual parts, but we're created to be one body. I want you to think even just for a moment about that quote that we read talking about the culture of America and just the, the extreme individualism of I'm not attached to any other person or organization or family or group. And then you read this passage in 1 Corinthians that says, well, we're actually all one body. We're many parts, but we're one body. In Acts 2, 42 through 47, this is a passage that we've studied even recently as a church, but I want to read it again specifically as we talk about gathering because I think it paints a beautiful picture. Acts 2, 42 through 47. All the believers devoted themselves to the apostles' teaching and to fellowship and to sharing in meals, including the Lord's Supper, and to prayer. A deep sense of awe came over them all, and all the apostles performed many miraculous signs and wonders. 
And all the believers met together in one place and shared everything they had. They sold their property and possessions and shared the money with those in need. They worshiped together at the temple each day. Every time I read that, I always think about how for some of us, it's like it's hard enough getting to church on, on Sunday morning. And then you read they were meeting together every day. They worshiped together at the temple every day, met in homes for the Lord's Supper, and shared their meals with great joy and generosity, all the while praising God and enjoying the goodwill of all the people. And each day the Lord added to their fellowship those who were being saved. And then finally in Hebrews 10.25, I love this passage, and let us not neglect our meeting together as some people do, but encourage one another, especially now that the day of his return is drawing near. For the rest of our time together this morning, and we're going to have an opportunity to respond in just a few moments, but I want to talk about why do we believe that gathering is important. And the first thing that we see in this passage is we believe that it's important because it was God's idea. It was God's idea. It is not my idea for your life that you would prioritize gathering as the body of Christ. It is not Pastor Rob's idea for your life. It was God's idea. And even beyond that, it was God's design. It was God's design. God created us to be a communal people. Those that gather with our brothers and sisters in the faith to encourage each other and build each other up and support each other and hold each other accountable and to gather with those that don't yet know the Lord to be a light and a witness to them. God created us to be communal people. You know, this passage that we read in Acts chapter 2 It's a picture, a passage of the early church. Now, if you were to back up a little bit in the grand narrative of Scripture, we see that Jesus has come and he's gone to the cross, not for his sins, but for your sins and for my sins. And we see that Jesus died on the cross, that he was buried, that he rose again, that he revealed himself to the disciples and many other people, that he's going to ascend back to heaven to be seated at the right hand of the Father. And he tells his disciples to wait for the Holy Spirit who is going to come and be their comforter and their encourager and their helper. And then we see earlier in Acts chapter 2 that the believers are gathered together in one room and they're seeking God and the Holy Spirit comes upon them and they're filled with the power of God. They're filled with the Holy Spirit. And under the inspiration of the Holy Spirit, they form the early church. Under the inspiration of the Holy Spirit, they begin to gather together to devote themselves to learning, to prayer, to fellowship, to communion, to all of these things, to generosity. It was God's idea that we would prioritize opportunities to gather. And if God is our creator, who knows us better than anyone else, And if God is the one who commissioned the church, don't we think that he knows what is ultimately best for us and best for his church? It was God's idea that we would be a communal people, people that prioritize moments to gather, to be together. The second thing we see in these passages is that God moves in powerful ways when we gather. We believe that gathering is important because God moves in powerful ways when we gather. In this passage, you see just a few pictures of this. It says, a deep sense of awe came over them all, and the apostles performed many miraculous signs and wonders. 
God was moving in the miraculous and they're seeing signs and wonders being done. This next one, you know, I think this part of the passage, we don't often think about this as, you know, like a miraculous moment or God moving in a powerful way. But to me, it might be one of the most powerful things you see happening amongst the early church. It says they sold their property and possessions and shared the money with those in need. Now, can you imagine if I got up here today and I was like, all right, guys, the city of Everett is really hurting. So we're going to sell our houses. We're going to sell our cars, whatever possession you have. You're going to sell your Apple watch. You're going to, you know, and I just start listing out all our possessions. Chances are you're probably going to go try to find another church. You're going to be like, I'm not selling my stuff. I didn't sign up for this. But the early church, they were so moved by God that they said, we got to sell our stuff. There's people who are hurting, people who are in need, people who can't even feed themselves or their families. And we have things. We've been blessed by God greatly. So they sell their property, they sell their possessions, and they give to those in need. God was moving in powerful ways. And finally, I love, love, love this part of the scripture. It says, in each day, the Lord added to their fellowship those who were being saved. Each day, the Lord added to their fellowship those who were being saved. God is moving in powerful ways, and it's flowing out through worship and generosity and people being saved. You know, I mentioned a moment ago when the believers were gathered in the upper room, and I want to read that passage, Acts 2, 1 through 4. It says, on the day of Pentecost, all the believers were meeting together in one place. Suddenly there was a sound from heaven like the roaring of a mighty windstorm, and it filled the house where they were sitting. Then what looked like flames or tongues of fire appeared and settled on each of them, and everyone present was filled with the Holy Spirit and began speaking in other languages as the Holy Spirit gave them this ability. I want to read verse 1 again. It says, on the day of Pentecost, all the believers were meeting together in one place. You know, I think especially in our world today, and I'll just even speak to our culture here in the United States, in a culture that is so divided, in a culture that is so individualistic, I just think that God does something special when we come together, united under the name of Jesus, to say, God, we just want to worship you, and we just want more of you. I believe that God moves at all times, in all places. How many of you have ever encountered God completely by yourself? No one was around you. You weren't in a room. You weren't with other people. Some of my most precious encounters with the Lord, I was completely by myself. For me, it's my car. That's like my holy space is driving in the car. God will meet you anywhere. God will move anywhere. But I just think, and we see it in Scripture, God does powerful things when we come together to lift up the name of Jesus and to say, God, we just want more of you. We just want to see you move. We just want to see people saved. We just want to see our community changed. We just want more of you. We believe that it's important because God does powerful things. And I just want to ask you to think about this. I wonder how your Sundays and your Wednesdays might look different if you approached a gathering, you approached church, you approached a service with a heart of expectancy that God was going to do something powerful. 
And maybe that Sunday, it wasn't necessarily going to be in your life or even in your spouse's life or in your kids' lives. It might be someone totally random that you don't even know, but God did something powerful. I just wonder how our church might change as we begin to believe that gathering is important because God moves in powerful ways when we gather. The third thing that we see, and we talked about this a little bit when we talked about classes and small groups, but we grow when we gather. We grow when we gather. It's said that the early church devoted themselves to the apostles' teaching. They devoted themselves. They were hungry When we come together as a church, we have the opportunity every single time to grow both individually and as a community. And that's how God designed it. In Proverbs 27, 17, I love this verse. It's so simple but so profound. As iron sharpens iron, so a friend sharpens a friend. We have the opportunity as the church when we gather to make each other better. Better followers of Jesus better daughters, better sons, better husbands, better wives, better parents. We have the opportunity to make each other better because we grow when we gather. When we're operating the way that Christ has intended us to, we grow. It's how God designed it to be. We grow when we gather. We are the family of God. We're the body of Christ. And we've been called to help each other be better followers of Jesus and to help other people find their way on the path to following Jesus. We grow when we gather, and finally, we believe that gathering is important because the environment that you plant your relationship in matters. And here's what I mean by that. Your relationship with Jesus is your relationship with Jesus. It's a personal relationship. No one can take that from you. It is a personal relationship with Jesus. But I believe that the environment that you plant that relationship in matters. All throughout scripture, you'll see that the relationship that Christ has with the church is compared to a marriage. So let's just talk about a marriage for a second. I'm married to my awesome husband, Stephen, and our marriage is our marriage, right? That's what we would consider marriage to be one of the most personal, intimate relationships. So Stephen and I, even if it's just the two of us, we're still married. We still have that marriage relationship. But I want, to, I want you to think for a minute. Let's say that Stephen and I decide that we don't need anybody else. It's just us two against the world, and we just pull ourselves into a place of isolation. We have no friends. We have no community. We don't surround ourselves with with any people. We're not intentional about the environment that our marriage is being planted in. Well, I can tell you right now, our marriage is not going to be as strong or as healthy as it could be. Can our marriage survive? Probably But is it going to thrive and flourish the way that it could? Absolutely not. Now think, what if we planted our marriage in a negative environment? We start surrounding ourselves with people who devalue marriage. They don't think marriage is an important relationship or covenant. They speak poorly about marriage. Maybe they just constantly speak poorly about their spouse. Do you think that's going to have a positive impact on Stephen and I's marriage? No. Because the environment that we plant our relationships in matter. And the same is true with your relationship with Christ. The environment that you plant your relationship with Jesus in, it matters because that's the way that God intended it to be. That we would not be a bunch of separate body parts like 
you know, siphoned around trying to do our own thing. And you've got the, it's talking about the ear and it's talking about the nose and the hands and the feet. And we're all off trying to do our own things. The design was that we would be together in unity. And it's a personal relationship, but it's meant to be lived out in community. Your relationship with Jesus will be stronger and it will flourish when you plant yourself in the healthy environment of the church, whether it's this church, whether it's another church, the capital C church is what I'm talking about, the body of Christ. Stephen and I, were in a group and we meet with other couples that have also, also have young kids and we meet on Sunday mornings at 9 a.m. and we read the Bible together and we pray together and we just do life together and it has been the best thing for our marriage because we're surrounded by accountability and encouragement and support. And that's what God wants for you and your relationship with him. It's what God wants for your marriage. It's what God wants for your children. That you would be in that environment that is conducive to growth, where we get to see God do powerful things, and we get to be the church that God intended us to be. As we get ready to close out service and respond, I want to ask this question one more time. Why do we believe that gathering is important? And our big idea for this weekend is that we, in a culture, in a culture that sees gathering as the church as an unnecessary inconvenience, we believe that it's a vital investment into your faith, your family, and the kingdom of God. In a culture that says, you know what, gathering as a church, whether that's online and that's the place where you gather or in person, in a culture that says, you know what, it's unnecessary and it's an inconvenience. You know, I'll just speak for myself. We're in a season right now where we have young kids, a toddler and a baby. Church always falls right in the middle of nap time. Like it's always messing up nap time on Sundays. In a culture that would say, oh, it's just an inconvenience. It's too hard. It takes up your Sunday. It's not worth it. We believe that it is a vital investment into your faith, into your relationship with God, into your family, and into the kingdom of God. I just, I'll just say this to parents in this place. Your kids will learn so much more from what they see you living out than what you tell them. So if you go to your kids and say, hey, we believe church is really important, but we're never going to go. Hey, we believe small groups are so important, but we're not going to be in, in a small group, but like you guys should be in a small group when you're older. Our kids learn so much from what they see us living out. It's an investment into your family and it's an investment into the kingdom of God because I believe we come to this place and we get filled with God's spirit and we go into your workplace, into your family, into your community. And now we have an opportunity to be the church outside of the building of the church and bring people in, invite them into a relationship with Jesus. I want to invite you this weekend to just say yes to gathering, to seeing the value of gathering, to making it a priority. I know there's so many things that fight for your time and your attention. I want to encourage our church to say, you know what? We're making this a priority because we believe it's what God's called us to and we believe it's important. I wanna invite you all across this room to stand up as we get ready to pray. As I was preparing for this weekend, I came across this statistic that I thought was really interesting. 
In Snohomish County, it's estimated that there is now a population of 850,881 people. Over 850,000 people just in Snohomish County. And as I was praying for this message, I just felt like God began to give me a picture of what would it look like if BCA became a church that was so fired up about God and so fired up about gathering as the body of Christ. And we would come to this place and we would cry out to God and we would be filled up with the Holy Spirit. And then we began to become people who go into our workplaces and our families and our communities and we tell people, you've got to experience what God has for you because it's changing my life. And now those people come and they get to experience it for themselves. Now they give their lives to Jesus. Now they're impacting their workplaces and their families and their communities. I just think what would God do if BCA decided to be the church that God has called us to be? And there's so many ways that that happens but I believe that this weekend, God is calling us to focus on this idea of gathering as the body of Christ, as his church. I just wanna invite you to close your eyes. I'm gonna pray for you. And all I'm gonna ask is that this weekend that you would take a step of faith. Maybe for you, your step of faith is you're gonna give your life to Jesus right now. You haven't committed your life to Jesus, but We've been singing these songs and we're gathered together and you're hearing God's word and, and you just feel a stirring in your heart that it's time for you to give your life to Jesus. You can just pray a simple prayer. Jesus, come into my life. Forgive me of my sins. I wanna live for you in your own words. Maybe there's some of you and you've been coming to church, but you've been kind of trying to come to church like in stealth mode. You're trying to slip in the door and slip right back out, not talk to anyone, not meet anyone. You don't want to engage in any sort of way. And today your faith step is you're gonna fill out a connection card, knowing good and well that that means someone is gonna reach out to you this week. But you're gonna take a step of faith and say, you know what, I'm gonna to start to engage in this church family. Maybe for some of us, it's just saying, you know what, if I'm, if I'm being honest, we have not been prioritizing church either for myself or my family. We've been kind of here and there, or we've been hesitant about joining a small group or engaging in any sort of way, but we're just gonna make a commitment right now to make it a priority because we know that it's an investment, a worthwhile investment, and it's important. I would encourage you to make that commitment right now. And I think for a lot of us, and I'm gonna pray this in a moment, I think for a lot of us, it's time that we start boldly inviting people to come to church with us. I mean, we have got to rise up and be a church that's willing to invite people to come to church with us. And maybe right now, God's gonna lay names on your heart of people you work with or, or your neighbors that you're gonna invite to church. And the Holy Spirit's gonna give you the boldness to do that. Whatever your faith step is, would you make those commitments right now in your heart with the Lord? God, we thank you so much for who you are. God, we thank you that you are here. God, right now we pray that you would give us a new passion and conviction for your church, the body of Christ. God, would we recognize the beauty and the importance of gathering. God, I pray that all of us today would take a faith step. And Lord, I, I just even pray that it wouldn't be a faith step that we see the full fruit of now, that we would actually see the full fruit in 20, 30, 40, 50 years down the road, generations from now that will be impacted by the decisions we're making today. 
And God, I pray right now that every person in this room, in this very moment, that you would lay the name of a person or a family on our heart that you're calling us to invite to church, that they might get to come and experience the beauty and the power of gathering in God's house. Lord, we wanna be the church that you've created us to be. God, we wanna see our county changed, our communities changed, our world changed. So God, would we be the church you're calling us to be? And today, we take the faith step of saying, yes, God, we will prioritize moments to gather as the body of Christ, that we might see you move in powerful ways. God, we love you. We pray with you'd be with us. Pray that you'd be with us this week, Lord, and, and we just thank you for all that you're doing in and through our church. And we pray all of this in Jesus' name. And everybody said, amen, amen. If you're here, I want to encourage you, fill out a connection card online. Fill out a connection card. You can share prayer requests, how you're responding. We want to engage with you this week. I'm going to invite our prayer team to come forward. Every week we have people here that would love to pray with you, whether it's about something we talked about or, or you want to stand in for someone, we would love to pray with you. But we hope that you have an amazing week. We will see you next weekend as we continue on in our Road Back from Regret series.